Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is our Gene Kelly resident expert. It's Sierra Ryan, everyone. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Yeah, good, good. I'm glad. And we're here today to talk more about Gene Kelly's filmography. Even more, delving deeper and deeper. Yeah, and we're talking about the 1955 movie, It's Always Fair Weather. Screenplay by Betty Comden and Adolph Green. Music by Andre Previn, I think? Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, Lyrics by Betty Comden and Adolph Green. Directed by Stanley Doonan and Gene Kelly. I gotta say, I don't know Andre Previn by name, but like everyone else attached to this is like royalty at this point <laughs> well andre Previn is royalty but in a different kind of sense like he arranged a lot of american songbook and he was a conductor so he was in the classical realm uh, classical music realm and you you'll see a lot of his name like attached to to um to sheet music a lot okay um, yeah i think i think that's that's where he was um he has a huge le- legacy and huge influence on the American songbook. Because like Betty Comden, Adolph Green, and Stanley Doonan are names I've definitely said before on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. They're maybe like... Doonan, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, yeah, whatever. And according to IMDb, three soldiers meet 10 years after their last meeting in New York and find out that they have very little... Nope. <laughs> and find out they have little in common now. Yeah, exactly. Um in a nutshell i got two points i want to get get off my chest right off yes. the bat and then we can go on from here okay one i really wished it was a reunion of um the three from on the town well it was supposed to it are was, you serious it, it was imagined by comden and green a to be a reunion a 10-year reunion of the three sailors from on the town and and your instincts are completely correct but the uh the new production chief uh of, of at the town whose name was dor sherry uh s-h-a-r-y he didn't want to hire either sinatra or uh jules munchen uh, who were, you know, Gene Kelly's co-stars and on the town because F- Frank Sinatra was um, hard to deal with now that he's a star. And he said that Jules Munchen didn't have the audience uh, popularity at the time. So they kind of reconfigured everything and recast and and that was it. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of sad when you think that could have been the the the, the sequel uh. of of everything, you know. Yeah. It would have been amazing. I do have to say, though, I'm glad they went this route because at least um, Michael Kidd and Dan Daly got involved. Yeah. Seem like better dancers. Oh yeah, I mean Jules and Frank were not dancers. Obviously. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to knock their performance because, no. like, they did their they did their greatest. Yeah. But Michael Kidd, I know that name because of the Birdcage. You know, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Madonna, Madonna. <laughs> Madonna. 
Well, mm-hmm. Michael Kidd would um, had done Seven Brides for Seven Brothers with uh, uh, with Donan, and then also he would go on to choreograph Hello Dolly when Gene Kelly directed it. So mm-hmm. this is kind of a nice bridge between between the two, and this was his first um, on screen appearance. Um, yeah, so so he and, and and this was considered the final dance heavy MGM musical. This was like considered the swan song. Like from then on, there were dance sequences, but it wasn't like everyone had to be able to dance in terms of like the choreography. Got it. Heavy kind of stuff for MGM well, at least. I mean, this one you have all the. It's it's mostly tap. It feels yeah. like, but you have all the genres represented at Mixed some points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, I'm glad that they hired dancers i don't know if dan daly is a dancer but he at least faked yeah. it enough <laughs> no no he was a, he was a, a good a decent i mean he was very tall <laughs> he was like he was like an everyman kind of very tall kind of guy and he was definitely known as a as a dancer so the other point i want to get out of the way right off the bat why is it called it's always fair weather ah i actually was talking to my friend mick about this because i was like what is it and it's like it's about fair weather friends, you know, that come in, come in, in and out of your life. Oh. So it's like, it's always fair weather friends with these guys. Cause they're eventually spoiler alert. They, they find their mojo as a, as a group and become friends again, even though they might not see each other for another 10 years. They, they, you know, they reconnect in a, in a bro meaningful way. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get but- to that. But I mean, I saw during the taping live show thing. Is it supposed to be a late night show? Mm-hmm. Okay, a female. It says late midnight night host. with Madeline, so I'm assuming it tapes. It tapes. It tapes at I can't remember what time it was, and then and or maybe it goes live at midnight. Yeah, because on on one of the signs that one of the da- the dancers had, it did say it's always fair weather. So oh, I okay. clocked that, but I'm like, okay, but. Why is the movie called? It's always fair weather. Fair yeah. weather. Yeah, maybe it was a term, and maybe someone someone needs to just Google it and and email us because I don't remember exactly what whether it was a you know popular a refer- a maybe it was a popular phrase. Yeah, yeah. in the fifties that has gone the way of the dodo at this point. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say this movie never saw it before, mm-hmm. and I believe. You picked this one because of Xanadu? Because I asked if Gene Kelly ever did dancing on roller skates. And I, and I said, yes. And yes. It was in this movie. Um, I have seen this many a couple of times in my lifetime. This was one of the uh, many ones that I made a soundtrack personally with my boombox. Yes. like When I was like 12 years old. Um, and then I think I've shown it to my husband like 10 years ago. And then this is a good uh, return for me as an adult uh, in my, you know, later years to to watch because I it revealed a lot more of the things that I really didn't quite understand as a kid growing up in terms of it. I'll, I'll say it. This is this is I, I called this suddenly when I was watching it, uh, you know, last week. I said, oh, this is Midlife Crisis, the musical. This is three guys who are like unhappy with their life and suddenly have to come to terms with the fact that they don't, they're not, 
they don't have the self-esteem that they and and bravado that they used to have as a as a kid and they're either dealing with divorce or their business is not as good or they're you know in gene kelly's character's uh uh experience he he never lived up to the potential that he had when he was when he was younger um mm. and so now <laughs> they like all these things come up and you know uh throughout the whole thing they come to terms with with things and and get to reality and then they it's kind of a big old therapy session uh movie set to and, song woo and see i saw it as like post war ptsd in a way Interesting, yeah. I mean, there's a reason, kind of like in White Christmas, that this is set ten years after the war. You know, uh, White Christmas is set in 1954, um, which is which is you know ten years after. 10 years this after is, the war. This is a year later in 1955. I think it was mostly like with Doug, uh, Dan Daly's character, mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, you like are not over what happened, and are clearly depressed yeah clearly and he doesn't deal with it well i i love his um i love his manic dan daly does manic so well in this and i love his mental breakdowns um both physical and mental he he goes for it yeah i I wrote down during situation rise we are watching a mental breakdown and during this time no one knew how to deal with it properly no they were it was all the 1950s pent up you know put press down your emotions you know everything is fine uh yeah when i when i i you can hear me on probably on my on my old cassette soundtrack giggling whenever dan daly would scream on on camera i would i would you could probably hear my little 12 year old giggle uh Uh, yeah exactly it's so it's kind of sad this movie in a way because you're like because it makes you because it made me think of like people that i don't talk to that i were like best friends with 10 years ago Mm -hmm. yeah i'm just like oh okay well it's relatable in a way because like not everyone went off to war became best buddies because you were at a war right exactly the trenches created friendships bootsy that that they mention in the beginning and then at the end the running joke yeah the running joke of bootsy uh yeah kind of kind of hit them different you know my cat is meowing your your cat wants to be part of the conversation as well and i'm keeping all of this (laughs) that's hera um yeah, you could you could the other thing I really liked about this musical as an adult is that it's more of a I don't know if this is the right term but like a psych realism musical where a lot of it is done inside the 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 singer's or performer's head so it's by it's with a um a, a inner monologue literally they're either lip syncing or face syncing to to what's going on in their head and i don't think very many movie musicals do that as a as a storytelling element um you know like it, they, it happens, they think the song they think they sing the song and then they just think it on camera the blue danube sequence where they're sitting yes in the, it, i loved that sequence so much the celery was hilarious the timing and the sound sound effects of the celery was great um it's it, you it, it's it's a great kind of method and that's where like andre prevren and his and his classical music uh, 
Yeah, what was that song? I it's knew. Da, 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 ba, ba, it's just a wal- ba, ba, the waltz. Or yeah, something? it's the waltz. It's the waltz of the Blue Danube. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And they use they use a lot of classical music throughout, and and like in in Dan Daly's um, breakdown, you can hear a bunch of music uh, of classical music being quoted throughout. Yes, you know, which is fun. Yeah, I mean, I I did like the juxtaposition of the the waltz and them like all going through a mental spiral of like why am i here i don't think i'm here like these aren't the same people that i met 10 years ago we're all different yeah yeah although i'm kind of surprised that they didn't at least attempt to keep in touch yeah in the 10 years yeah people part and they you know i think i'm i'm questioning how many people i would actually be in touch with now if it weren't for facebook or something like that where it wouldn't it didn't require me to pick up a phone and hunt someone down it seemed like the three of them said their goodbyes, parted ways, and didn't even try within the course of the 10 years to talk to each other. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I got to say that montage was a little dose of reality. <laughs> <laughs> the ones where, like, each of them goes, like, what kind of job they're in. And then, uh-huh. like, and how, whether they're how married miserable or miserable they are. <laughs> yeah, well, how married they are. And then to, what, are, what is their concentration? Is it kids? Like, Michael Kidd? kid ironically um is or is it dan daly just collecting stuff or is it gene kelly's loser character who is just a gambler and a you know a, a <laughs> well by no, by 1950s standards so it, um, it is kind of like a it is also a, a wonderful modern for the times commentary on society all the way through you can you can kind of see how comden and green were we're commenting on the fact that, oh, uh, society tells us you have to have kids to be happy, or you have to have a business to be happy, or you have you to have, have to be married. You have to be married to be happy, and these guys aren't necessarily happy well, by the times they figure I'm not it sure out. About Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd seems fine. He talks about his business as like I want to create a cordon bleu. You know, he he has these grand grandeur kind of things when he's really just a just a hamburger guy that's what he does really well and he finally at the end says you know what i'm not gonna do the cordon bleu anymore i'm just gonna do you know good old american hamburgers you know so he kind of well it seems like he's trying to he's trying to defend himself but also like people are demeaning him the whole time yeah 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 it's a kind it's of a, so, but could, but like he's so cute. Can we talk about how cute Michael Kidd is? Oh my god! Oh he's my like god! He's four foot nothing. He's so <laughs> cute, and he's got this big, you know, big, big talk. He was he was dubbed in this by a pretty uh, by John uh, Conlon. Uh, sorry, Judd Conlon, and uh, but it was a pretty good voice match for for me. I had no idea the singing voice. You voice. mean the singing voice? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know that Sid Charisse was dubbed by carol richards i think she's done that before carol has done that before for her oh yeah it sounds it actually i'm seeing that well according to the wikipedia page that i just read about carol richards i'm seeing that michael kidd sang his own stuff oh but i'm not i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if he was dubbed because it feels like he's more of a dancer oh yeah that's that's that was his that was his thing yep i want to i'm sorry we're jumping around but that's yep. what we do here yeah i want to what is it i want to talk about once upon a time 
Once upon a time, because I had two friends that 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 uh, divided trio. I have no idea how they filmed that. It was taking advantage of the fact that it was they were forced to use CinemaScope, um, uh-huh. for it, which is the wide screen, like absolutely the wide widest screen you can possibly do uh, format. And I, you know, there was a little bit of fudging. Um, but I can imagine that they just put different camera, uh, they just replayed it and just shot the camera on one side of the stage. Cause it was diff- three different sets. Well, I didn't know if like maybe the other two were like off to the sides and they were dancing the same. Cause like they were very well in sync for being, if they did yeah. three solos, yeah, I'm sure they I'm sure they rehearsed all together, perhaps, you know, so they knew when to turn and look at each other and the eye line mm-hmm. and things like that. And then they probably just went to three different sets, three different camera setups and did one one per Gene Kelly in the center, you know, Dan Daly on the on the left and Michael Kidd on the right. Um, so it was it was Gene Kelly in the center. Of yeah, course, of Gene course, Kelly. of course. Gene Kelly always does. Is this center. after what was that one movie that we did where Gene Kelly danced with himself? Oh, Cover Girl? This was after, way co- this after way Cover after. This was so, Cover Girl, I think was 47, I think. And because Gene Kelly is credited as a director, I feel like he directed this scene. He this probably dance. Yeah, he probably Cuz it seems the same as the mirror dance. Yeah, a little Girl. bit. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Also, he wasn't framed the same way as the other two in, in moments and it tickled me because you know he was so pissed. <laughs> He's like, "Hey, camera on me!" <laughs> well, because like, hit like the if you really pay attention to this, because I did, because I was uh-huh. just like, "There's some weirdness going on." Um, his height or like his feet are not on the same plane as the other two. Because Dan is very tall and Michael is very short. <laughs> right, so I think they had to like even it out a little bit yeah but it's like, not perfect it's not a perfect it's not setup. a perfect match yeah but hey it it's very well done they this is one of the ones where they're doing like a soft shoe um routine as well and i'm like this is amazing like those yeah. three are amazing dancers i i just wanted to poke poke the bear a little bit because you know i have to with gene kelly sometimes yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> yep Yep, they were all. They it, this is this is uh the, the chore- was the choreography by Kid or Gene? I can't remember. It's not. It's not in the uh, in the IMDb. I think. Oh, that's weird. If it's not that, it's not in the IMDb. And it's not. It's not listed necessarily. But I think if if Dan and or if Gene Kelly and Stanley Donen are co-directing, both of them apparently did it. Okay, Stanley oh. and Gene. Okay. There you go. That's what IMDb says. Dances by Stanley and Gene Kelly. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Don't know what that exactly means though, cuz I don't I didn't know Stanley Donen was a choreographer. Maybe he came out of the choreography dance. Um, unless when they say dances by it's like they collaborated as well yeah, where Gene the concept and Yeah, Gene like did the actual choreography and Stanley was there to help with the camera placements once again email us the email us but some at gmail.com there's another one i wanted to talk to. oh so you tagged me in a post uh-huh. and i want to talk about it yes so stillman's gym 
Stillman's gym. Dude, this is what I wrote down for this. These men are not dancers, and it's clear some might not even be singers as well. <laughs> yeah, I love the Stillman's gym sequence so much, and uh, I think did I did I there's there's a Instagram um, account called I dot needed dot that. Uh, the the host is named Jenny. The owner's name is Jenny, and they post nothing but Gene Kelly like things and that's that's sometimes where i got like movies that i had never heard before with gene kelly in them and i'll watch them and stuff like that but yeah like they've been posting actually about it's always fair weather most recently and it's amazing that it's like, it's like they totally knew. coincidence totally coincidence yeah and so i'll probably quote them uh a couple times because there was a couple of couple of interesting tidbits of information uh later on yeah so yeah just like the the Baby, you knock me out, which is the next. So literally, Stillman's gym bleeds into Baby, you knock yeah, me out. Yeah, they go from a, a kind of a Stillman's gym uh, fight song into uh, Baby, you knock me out, and uh, this is my little uh, personal connection with Baby, you knock me out. So you know, I say I had seen this movie like when I was eleven or twelve or something like that. And uh, my dad was uh, in collegiate boxing in at Berkeley, Cal Berkeley. And uh, so he was always a boxer. He had boxer memorabilia everywhere. So he was tickled pink when I showed him this movie for the first time. And I was like, look, dad, it's an entire movie. And he had known Sid Charisse from Singing in the Rain and, and, and Bandwagon. I, he obviously loved Sid Charisse. And so he was amazed at this at this boxing themed song that was that had been had been uh, written and created. And then a couple of years later, when I was 14, he got remarried to his third wife, Brenda. And the joke in our family was Brenda, Brenda kind of like kept pushing him away and was like, oh, the only way I'll marry you is in a boxing ring. Well, the Oakland Museum at the time was doing a, uh, a, a history of Cal and, and a college boxing team in the area. So my dad had like... Uh, donated some memorabilia or some pictures and things like that from his his experience and for some reason in the middle of the Oakland Museum setup they put an 18 foot actual boxing ring in the middle of the of wow. of that setup and so my dad was like uh okay I've got a ring remember that promise you made remember <laughs> that promise so we literally had a boxing themed marriage wedding for my dad and Brenda um she wore she wore like a beautiful white and 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 um and lace you know boxing memorabilia kind of stuff we had um uh, did she wear boxing gloves instead of carrying flowers I don't think she had flowers I mean they did entrances like like Rocky you know like coming down <laughs> coming down the thing um and the referee I guess is what it what it's called in the in the ring was married them um and then I, oh my God, I this is amazing. and then I sang two songs. I sang "Zing with the Strings of My Heart" because my dad was into Judy Garland, obviously, and I was into Judy Garland. And I sang a cappella because we couldn't find a track for this. I sang "Baby, You Knock Me Out" Aww. in the middle of this eighteen-foot uh, boxing ring for my dad's wedding. Did you do so. the dance break and everything? I wish I could have. Wouldn't that have been amazing? But no. But, you know, I think it was, uh, and people had no idea that this song even existed. So I think it was a treat for them. So whenever I whenever I see this movie, I was like, oh, baby, you knocked me out. And the okay. lyrics are amazing. 
Like you're the broad I applaud in the Broadway show. You're the chick with the kick like a rodeo. Honey bunch, you got the punch that lays me low. A one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, bong, KO. It's like those are the some of the wittiest inner inner rhyme lyrics about boxing I've ever heard. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say some things. Uh-huh. And then we're gonna talk about it. Okay. So hot take. In a movie full of fragile male egos and toxic masculinity, I am so happy that in this number that they don't what did I write down? At least these men aren't fragile about a woman being very knowledgeable about boxing. Yeah. Yeah. They're because... they're more floored to, to to use a boxing another boxing term. Uh, you know, that that she knows she knows everything, that she knows all the stats. It's they, kind they, of, yeah. they quiz her. Yeah. It's kinda it's kinda like Marissa Tomei's uh, scene in My Cousin Vinny when she's on the stand. I've and talking I've about watched, cars. Yeah, I've watched the the other lawyer cross examine her so many times because it's so funny. Yeah, it's like people know things about other things that like aren't stereotypical part of their gender or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. What I like, what I always like about uh, Betty Comden and Adolph Green's, uh, not just, just their music, but also their script writing, is that there is a very strong feminine and sometimes feminist point of view mm-hmm. that either either they're protective of of the the women point of view or they highlight it or they they write these very like slight lines kind of like thrown in to kind of counteract any misogyny that comes in and i think that's betty comden just kind of going oh really you're gonna say that well i'm gonna say this you know i'm gonna put this in um there's a couple moments in this that obviously we can talk about sid charisse's character oh my Uh, god i loved her i love her i mean you know she's gorgeous and she's smart and she's encyclopedic and i love i mean the scene in the in the taxi where obviously gene kelly once again is playing the wolf character on the in the get-go like he just turns it on but i love how she just caught like she's like i'm stop to that i'm gonna kiss you and we're gonna call it done yeah we're getting that out of the way oh yeah yeah here i'll give you a kiss done and then she and then like kind of like me when I listen to a bunch of podcasts about stuff, I suddenly have all this like, hey, did you know that in 1927, blah, 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 blah. And then I see like my friends getting their uh, their their face glazes over a little bit. That's her superpower. Like she'll be able to fact check you, you know, to another dimension, another state if she figures out that you're you're getting in her way. And I just. I, I thought that was hilarious that, that she's just like, I loved her. I'm going to talk movie. at you. Exactly. And it's kind of sad, though, that the end of the movie, them, the three friends bonding together is over fighting. And I'm like, did we need this to <laughs> this toxic male trait to happen? Yeah. I, you know, if, if we're so flipping that back to the or going back to the ending, it's kind of like they're like they got their mojo back through well but standing up for themselves i think a little bit but they, also because they do have... they do have that thing on camera with the television that they actually they actually yeah. talk about their inner demons and their inner problems and they kind of exercise that a little bit emotionally and then they get to have this quite very uh 
involved fight sequence that I was kind of worried for some of the some of the stuntmen and and our and our and our heroes. You know, they there were some falls and and furniture breaks that I was like, oh my god, that was that did not look very safe. <laughs> and even what's her name, uh, Madeline mm-hmm. gets in it, and I'm mm-hmm. like, get it, you get yeah. it, girl. Yeah. But like, also you have to think about. I'm of two minds where it's like, it's upsetting that like they bond over fighting, but like, that's also how they met. They True. met in the war and they bonded over fighting in the trenches. Yeah. I don't think they'll be friends for strongly for the next 10 years. Maybe they'll do another re- reunion in 1965, but. Uh... I would do it every five years. Instead, yeah. Well, yeah. Just to, I mean, just because, and it's really, and to get all, to get a little personal as well. Um, it's really interesting because I watched this after I met up with a friend who I haven't seen in like five years. Mm-hmm. And so, but like, we're very different than these three people. But like, yeah. we were able to like talk, catch up, and move on.com. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's a sense of when, when you see the changes that other people have had, it either gives yourself hope, but it also can shake you up in a sense that, oh my God, if that, if that person, you know, hasn't achieved their dreams yet. What's what? Where's their hope for me? Or you know, oh my God. Or or the other way, like oh they they accomplished everything on their list, but I'm kind of suddenly shaken. I'm I'm not doing what I told said every to told everyone that I would be doing. So they our friends right. from the past are also mirrors to ourselves. So I think that's. But at least these days we have, as you said, social media. So yeah. like you have the Facebook and Instagram for people to catch up on you. If you haven't talked to them for right. three, five, 10 years. Right. Exactly. Yep. 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 Um, do you want to talk more about the tap dancing skates? <laughs> I will talk about the ta- tap dan- dancing skates. So apparently from the, I needed that Instagram uh, account. Um, they posted that uh, apparently Comden and green had Gene and his daughter over uh, for like to to have fun and have roller skates on their tennis courts, and they watch Gene perform, figure it like, out, figure it out, like per- well perform with such joy, um, just on their thing. And Comden and Green looked at each other and went, "We have to put this in a in a movie. We have to put this in a movie." And so that kind of triggered them into being like, "Well, what can we do in this next you know thing? Well, maybe we'll do." Um, you know, I like myself. We'll have Gene, <laughs> we'll have Jean, uh, you know, dance on on skates. And I, I like how organic that that scene was. That he was like he was ch- being chased into the the roller skate into the roller rink, and then yeah. also, but like he has a moment where he's skating on the streets of New York, and then all of a sudden, like five minutes later, he looks down. And he's like, "Shit, I stole these skates," and you're like. My guy, you've been skating around New York for the last however many minutes. Like, but that's it, what that's what love does. You forget, you know, you forget what what's on your feet because you're feeling ten feet, you know, higher than the sidewalk. I also want to point. I also want to point out that when he when he ran into the uh, the roller rink and borrowed quote unquote the uh, the hat and jacket from from the from the roller rink on his back, it said Rover Three. And that the Rover Boys was their nickname from from the bartender at. Tim. Oh yeah, it said Rover Three, and I never noticed that before. I'm like, oh look at huh. the little funny little tidbit. That's so cute. And yeah. these are 
just for people who haven't watched the movie and are going and are listening to this episode, these are skates that you uh, tie, like you you affix built yeah. on to your shoes. Yeah, so it's They're not very like old fashioned. And I think there was where Gene Kelly's actual like he didn't go out to buy a pair; he just brought them in. I wouldn't be surprised that he had just the one pair, though. Like, yeah, I would, of course, I yeah. would be surprised if he had just the one pair. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that scene was just so, I, so good. It's it's his, it's one. It's kind of a singing in the rain esque song uh, where he is just absolutely one hundred and ten percent joy and having fun on this wonderful big gigantic set with cars and people walking around and reacting to him and it's hopefully he didn't have 103 fever during this no no i I think he was nice and healthy in this one but you couldn't tell you couldn't you could even if he was you you don't tell with gene kelly he's always smiling in these joyful you know self-positive kind of kind of moments i yeah it was watching it that that's what made me remember the xanadu of it all mm-hmm. i was like yeah. oh right i think we did talk about i think i did ask her and you were like there's one <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and he's not the first i think uh fred astaire and ginger rogers definitely danced uh i think in shall we dance on roller skates like there's a park scene where they're skating in the park and then they suddenly start tap dancing so it's not it's not this is not a new idea it's it was just new for for gene well i was was asking for gene and since you are the resident gene kelly expert yes um (laughs) i'm looking at my notes and i just wrote fuck yes said get it feminism and knowledge that was after yeah that's after she kissed him in the car yep okay so like a subplot of this is that they're going to this late night show or Sid Sid Charisse and um what's his name I don't Dan Daly mm-hmm. work for the same company that is sponsoring this late Producing night midnight with Madeline yeah yeah and so as a gimmick on that show they like to surprise people think of it like on Ellen when she would bring out like a random talented kid or something, you know, she's like, this kid is blowing up on Instagram for singing the national anthem while doing a handstand and having <laughs> sparklers on their feet. Like, yeah. and it's like, like a, it's a local story kind of highlighting kind of things. And, and I guess everyone who goes into the, into the studio audience is like, Oh, are they going to pick me? Are they going to pick me? Are they going to yeah. pick me? But in this case, they bring the three guys on because of unbeknownst this to them unbeknownst yeah everyone is unbeknownst that they will be picked but they have no idea that that they're going to be yeah uh, so because dragged in uh orchestrates the whole thing mm-hmm. and when they bring them up on stage i have to say it like n- us the audience know what's going on we've been with these guys for the last what is it supposed to be a day? So yeah, twenty four hours in the not world even, of the movie. Yeah. They start. They meet each other at twelve noon. And so then, the last twelve hours. Twelve hours. Yeah. So for me, I felt like it was painful to watch. It was, but that's the point. Yeah, and that's the point. Yeah, exactly. This, because this this whole script is not my favorite in terms of story because you're getting. You're getting the 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 reunion. You're getting the midnight with Madeline. You're getting gangsters out to to beat up Gene Kelly for fixed for not fixing the fight. There's this whole like underscore of the 
of of danger. That's the only danger, really, that physical danger that is thrown in. And part of me as an adult <laughs> is like, this is just really complicated. I know it's like trying to make something out of whole cloth for a lot of uh, for all these things to happen. But to me, it's just, just like this is this is they just threw everything at the end of the movie all at once. But I have to say there there was a lot of concepts in this movie that I'm not a classical uh, a classic Hollywood expert by any means. <laughs> I'm not claiming that, but there is some ideas and some things in here that I thought were very profound for the time period. Yeah, like I said, it is a it is a, a mental health, you know, like yeah. guys who have to become honest with their feelings and with their sense of insecurities and you know and find find the the way a way out of uh of their own uh feelings of inadequacy somehow like it's still very rare to this day that things like this is discussed right we're kind movies. of we're kind of edging into the late 50s early 60s where some of that is more kind of being discovered and like therapy being in a, 2023 a huge, we're going know, back into the 50s and 60s <laughs> but at least in like the 60s there were there were scenes in a psychiatrist's office that were not completely for laughs or for you know jokes i think the were. other thing too was that i don't think divorce is really talked about that much no and that's that's on that's that's a danger in this one that that Doug Dan Daly's character is struggling with his with his wife yeah and then I guess somebody watched Guys and Dolls and were like, Gene Kelly's story. There we go. Well, yeah. I loved him in that pink shirt, that gangster pink uh, shirt when he's wearing the suit. It's like his, you know, when he came to, when he's just wearing that all the way through. And it's just a delightful uh, color because that means gangster apparently in 1955. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand though. Why did they, why did he and Sid beat up the boxer is it just because he's trying to not fix the fight yeah he's they're basically saying the fight is not going to happen we're going to make it make it so that the fight isn't even going to take place and that pisses off the big head you know gangster gangster guy who wanted to to have the fight fixed and so he lost a lot of money because okay well he wouldn't have made a lot of money it just seemed i may have like blinked or something but it's it seemed like it came out of nowhere the like them beating up on the boxer yeah who is gene kelly's like the one that he's managing he manages Mm -hmm. that boxer so he's kind of shooting himself in the foot a little bit but he's like okay I'm, I, I mean, just, I, I, I got to take my own my own pawn off the off the uh, off the the chessboard, as it were. I, I get it because they set it up earlier where he talks to Sid about how the fight is fixed, and she's like, "Why are you okay, okay with, this? with that?" Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that I get, but I feel like I don't know if the boxer actually knows. Did he? Does he know that to fix the fight? Well, he. I think he was told that it was okay with Gene's character to fix the fight. Oh, and now okay. he's like, no, let's let's just let's let's just, knock him out. Let's not let's take him out off the board. Yeah. So it's like it's convoluted. It's a convoluted. Yeah. <laughs> I think as a kid, I was just like, let's just get to the next dance 
thing and then as an adult i was like roller skates roller skates yeah yeah but now as an adult i'm like what is this script going back and forth and back and forth um we have to we have to talk we have to talk and praise and worship at the shoes of dolores gray goddess dolores gray is one of my favorite singers, one of my favorite performers. She was in uh, Kismet. She did. Uh, she did this movie. She did. She she pops in and out of these as as the kind of uh, low voiced alto. Right? What? She's like f- the featured role. Featured role, um, and she sings a couple of songs that I just absolutely adore. the 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 opening of her the the intro of her singing "Music Is Better Than Words." It's a gorgeous song. I love that song. Um, it's it's a nice nineteen fifties showcase kind of kind of song, um, and then she and then later on when she actually does the the Midnight with Madeline show she sings once again to a andre previn arrangement of um oh what is that the 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 cleanse right use of classical music she sings remember the many things that only cleanse right can do remember they're like she's singing this parody of an advertisement to this wonderful classical piece um and i just love her her ham she she's (laughs) she's she's doing a satire of of the times of uh, there's a lot of stuff in here that is about making fun of the advertising world and and pop culture and these late night talk shows and i think she is just the perfect person you did great and then she sings thanks a lot but no thanks i love this movie and this music so much and that song is one of my favorite songs and i've taken it i found the sheet music i've sung it i've changed the lyrics a little bit at the end to reflect my own personal um personal things but that sequence of her in that red dress and the black and white set and the and the gay chorus boys the gay chorus boys some of them i think i recognize actually from guys and dolls i think there's one especially that was like oh he's in guys and dolls yeah so they're they're studio dancers for sure well these are these are the gay chorus boys that i wanted earlier in the boxing oh yeah yeah but But we didn't get them but we finally got gay chorus boys finally got and oh my god doing backflips backflips and and getting getting bombed by her putting pushing a and being shot it's hilarious and it's wonderful and it's one of the highlights of the entire movie in my opinion it's just it's just beautiful i love it was this so this is 55 Mm mm-hmm I felt like it was still a little bit propaganda-y, like pro-war propaganda, pro-America, pro-army propaganda. Well, in in an interesting way, it is, but it's playing with the, it's parodying that. Like the fact that the the soldier girls, you know, who who are dressed up in these soldier outfits, eventually put on giant cleanse right boxes and does like a kick line you know to the theme of though the time has come for parting and then my Jamie like they're they're taking they're taking that and having fun with it so they're acknowledging the fact that there might be at that time people using war the 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 memory of war in a in a very tongue-in-cheek or almost almost sickly kind of manner they're taking advantage of the memory of war in that sense okay you know okay because I wasn't sure 
because we've we've done a couple where it's definitely propaganda oh yeah like but for like me I and my gal was definitely yeah of the time uh, yeah on the town is definitely propaganda yeah. yeah uh i wasn't sure if like the beginning at least was them being like remember the war remember how like cool it was to be in the army everyone yeah but that whole march 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 song it goes from happy-go-lucky young youngsters about to go into war together to oh my god we're in the trenches and things are exploding around us yeah. and they're 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 covered in mud and like the music suddenly goes to like either a, low, a minor key or, or or a slow march it 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 goes from it goes from this positive you know idea of what war is to the reality of it and i i think they're they're kind of for anyone who's been in the war and watching this in 1955 they're acknowledging dude yeah it wasn't yeah. all it was promised to us it wasn't all it was cracked up to be <laughs> as yeah. if war can be glamorized that much you know yeah yeah i think we covered everything i want to talk about is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into sharp and flat um i want let me let me look at my script i do want to say point my script my my notes um i love uh a couple of of unknown not unknown but um sometimes uncredited voices in here so uh the voice um the the announcer for midnight with madeline he was the one who's like cleanse right does right is right and was right um he the was one that, the one that introduces uh midnight with madeline yeah oh, he I has hated he, him <laughs> but he was a character actor and a voiceover actor his name was fred nelson and he was very famous on the jack benny show he was famously, he would pop in every once in a while with his trademark, yes. That's so he, him? That's him. So he was basically making a parody of himself in this. See, a lot of the times if you hate a character, it's for a reason. And that's the, re that's the reason because he's, so I'm he's, going pushing, to... he's pushing his own stereotype. I'm going to delete him up. from my flats then. <laughs> Cause I, well, because I was just like, he's annoying. He yeah. annoyed me. But now that you say that he's parodying himself, I'm like, oh, so it was a very strong choice. Yes, it was a very strong choice. I love that they, they said, oh, it's the heartbeat of New York. And the guy just pulls a microphone to his heart to make the sound effect. That was hilarious. Um, also, the... Um, uh, when Doug, uh, Dan Daly's character, is animating a character, he's animating this character called Miss Mop. And you see her on the screen as this black and white kind of animated mop talking about. Uh, that. The voice of our uh, uh, artist for that was June Foray, Fournay, something like that. Uh, where is it? Um, who is a one of the goddesses of, uh, of Hanna-Barbera, voiceover she i think she was like on the flintstones and on um the jetsons ah. and, yeah so she, she it's very 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 small moment but they were they were bringing in some pretty amazing voiceover artists for this uh for this movie um and i i really liked it also these are these are just me just throwing out things that i i uh i learned um tim who is the bartender in um at the very beginning is played by the um the guy who uh, originated the um, uh, Horace Vandegelder in Hello Dolly with Carol Channing. 
His name is uh, David Burns. Wait, the bar like, the so bartender. Sweet. The bartender, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And I liked it. And I another uh connection with this movie is that the the opening song um though the time has come for parting and the marching music ends, I think I sang that at my 6th grade graduation to my friends. To my like that was my little you you think <laughs> I think I it, like watching this for the third time I was like oh my god I think I sang this in sixth grade oh my god like you picked it or your chorus teacher I, picked it my chorus teacher wouldn't have remembered what this movie what the song was no of course I picked it but I you know they're like I don't know how like I was like hey can I sing at my graduation sure Sierra what do you want to sing oh I want to sing a song from the 1955 music Gene <laughs> Kelly musical it's always fair weather. Yeah, so there's like three songs in this movie <laughs> that have I have personal connections to. Again, um, you think or you I, did? I did, I did. I, did. <laughs> I wouldn't have made made up something like that. Um, I also want to give a shout out. Um, do you watch uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel at all? I haven't yet. Okay, all right. In the third, or sorry, in the fifth and last um, season, season, there is a moment where there is a. Um, a industry musical being performed on stage and th uh, four guys uh, in garbage uh, outfits, they're like garbage men, dance with um, trash can lids on their feet. No. They do a tap dance. We didn't talk about that. But I immediately went, oh, someone knows about it. It's always fair weather. Of course someone, somebody did. Someone took from, from the opening sequence of, of the three of them tap dancing with trash cans. The fact, though, that it was only on one foot. Yeah. Yeah. Was amazing. Yeah. Because I feel like if they were to do it on both feet, it would be a little easier for stability and everything. Maybe, but, yeah. But because but, it's on one foot, I don't know. And, and it's so, like, I again, I'm kind of happy that it wasn't um, Fred Astaire and... And Jules Munchen. No, yeah. so, sorry, Frank Sinatra and Jules Munchen. Yeah. Because they wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to... They wouldn't to have do. done. No, they wouldn't have gotten that, that far. No. And, but as I love... much as I would love the reunion to happen. Yep. Or at I least love... it would have been great if they were just there as an yeah. Easter egg or something yeah. to be like, remember on the town, everyone? Yep. 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 But I just love the, the controlled chaos of that drunken dance in the streets of New York and, uh, you know, on the cab and then those trash can. That's, that's one of the, that's one of yeah. the things that I'm kind of missing in, in modern, modern movie musicals or dance pieces where it's like can you can we can we have fun with the environment that we're in and not just be so self-indulgent and not have own? to justify the music yeah 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 i'm I, you know that kind of uh made me such so joyous when i when i saw the mrs Maisel thing i was like oh someone's think, quoting it i think in the heights at least celebrated that as well yeah i'm thinking Especially of them the dancing yeah. on the side of the building oh yeah oh yeah oh that was that was pure like Fred Astaire dancing on the ceiling kind of kind of yeah. movie magic that, that can only happen then. So yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Um, also, I want to say that um, going back to Dolores Gray, you need to look up on YouTube her backphrased version of I'm Still Here from Follies. Just YouTube. She's like 60 years old and this is like the 70s or something like that. And she's brought back on stage in this beautiful green gown and she sings the shit out of it. And her voice is 
be gorgeous and trumpet like and she's amazing i found it i found Yay. it i'll watch, listen to watch it that. after this watch watch that um and then uh the last thing i'm gonna say is like in the party scene where where doug dan daly's character has a drunken he shaves off his mustache and has like the classic breakdown where he puts the the uh the lampshade on his head and just does things um in that scene is um the actress madge blake who's dressed in pink and she's she was the original uh she was dora bailey in singing in the rain and aunt harriet from batman and Did i love she... her because was there somebody in there that had blue hair like actual oh, blue I'm hair sure there was some like silver blue in no, it no. might have been it, her it, it's like the blue of your shirt that you're wearing oh okay Maybe I don't think it was. I'm going to take a picture of it and I will post it on. The yeah, and, and find it. But that was yeah. But that was Madge. Uh, she she always sounds like this. Oh yes, she has this kind of nice nicely um, sing song. Oh, the one that he talks attitude. To. Yeah, the woman that yeah, he the, talks one, to. the woman in pink, basically, and yes. she's yeah. And eventually, he like tangos with her a little bit across the floor, and then dumps in a chair, <laughs> and it's just just very very funny. Uh. Yep. Using his mind. All right, let's get into Shep mind. and Flat, shall okay. we? Yes. Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. And Sierra, yes. I'm happy to announce I have way more sharps than flats for Yay! a Gene Kelly movie. So I want to start with flats because okay. I only now have one okay. because I deleted my other one. <laughs> um, I want to flat toxic masculinity and the fragile male ego. Yay! But they kind of figure some of it out with the help yeah. of a lot of women, apparently. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just like the, the concept of the concept toxic, of it. <laughs> toxic masculinity and fragile male ego. I'm like, yeah. At least, you know, I have to say, it's not the fragile male ego and the fact that, like, a woman is knowledgeable, like, Sid Charisse's character is knowledgeable about everything and all that. There's other moments where it's the fragile male ego that got me, like, about this movie. But, like, we're learning. We're learning as a society. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, what were your flats? If you had any. Um, this movie, I felt was, besides that, I felt it was very difficult to find flats about this movie. I think it was just the, over, like, I think it was just the overall uh, wrap, wrapping everything up at the end. But that's kind of a sharp, too, because it was a nice kind of denouement, uh, you know, with the, with the, uh, the, the head uh, gangster being outed on te- live on television, television and the fight scene it, it, that bonds them yeah exactly it kind of gets wrapped up so quickly but i kind of understand why why that is um and um fuck what's her name again Dolores, and then dolores gray coming out and being like going, it's this it's, was this all the, unscripted this is the magic of midlight with madeline yeah exactly yeah yeah like <laughs> that was again, definitely like, like the She's show the opportunist. Exactly, exactly. I think a flat was uh, Mr. Fielding, who was the the owner of the or the uh, the head producer the of boss. Midnight from Ma- Boss, because he's like he's looking at Madeline saying uh, like you you shouldn't be eating. You know what it does to your figure. Once again, but fuck you, Betty Comden. 
probably coming in for the win and going and having Madeline look back at him and says, well, you should talk fatso because the guy who played him was like gigantic. So that's that's kind of like the the back and forth of, of and of and that. and of and I was like, of course, it's a bigger dude saying this saying to it. a yeah, very exactly. in shape woman. Exactly. Like, that's that's the that's the thing, you know, with the trolls and everything yeah. being like, well, oh my god, she gained a pound. How dare she? And it's like, okay, well, you're definitely a overweight person stuffing yeah. on doritos while commenting on this yeah so but i love the i loved his line at least you know you shouldn't be eating you know what like it does to your figure like don't eat just don't eat i almost flipped the table yeah i was watching that (laughs) but that's the humor of it you know you can hate something but but at least then it was undercut by her it was for a purpose yeah yeah uh do you have any other flats um do you have any flats, really? <laughs> you know, there's the the only other flat that I can think of, besides like a kind of overall. This is complicated, but um, there's one one moment in the "I like myself" sequence on the roller blade roller skates, where suddenly Chinese Asian motif comes in, and Gene Kelly does mm. this head thing while while skating sideways, and it's just unnecessary. <laughs> And yeah. it's just kind of racist. And I was like, uh, can you cut that moment out? We don't need those four bars. We could trim Thank around you. it. Yeah, yeah. Just, just cut those four bars. We're fine. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was the only like, Ugh. Um. Okay. Sharps. Sharps. I have a very campy one. And then I think the rest of them are honest. Okay. <laughs> honest. Honesty versus campy. Yes. So my camp one. Um... <laughs> Oh no. It's so dumb. Say too. it. Say it. In the taxi scene. Yes. If you watch the background while it, they're driving, it yes. glitches. Yeah. Oh so no. I'm sharpening that. New York, New York disappears for a second it, and comes back. Go- yes, it does. It's it's like white. Like for a for a split second. I'm just like, what is this? Where did they go? They went from Midtown East to like Midtown West in two seconds. No, no, no. It was like the uh they had a splice together the film oh, or something yeah <laughs> there was a, mo- a moment of like blank yeah and you're like where have... did the background go <laughs> ah! where are they they're in another dimension ah yeah um i'm i'm gonna sharp jackie being in charge of the situation she's in like mm. always it seems yeah. like that's her job that's her job she's a coordinator she's like an ad executive yeah and and yeah. like she it feels like she knows the world that she's in where she understands that like to be this higher up and a woman in this mm-hmm. world like we've yeah. seen the trope of like a, a the girl boss quote unquote mm-hmm. where they're like it, it's not played the same in other instances mm-hmm. in this yeah. one she's totally in control even she was like i'm gonna kiss you because i clearly that's what you want and you're not saying it so I'm going to tell you what you want and we're going to do it. And then we're going to move on. Yeah. And also like during the boxing moment that we talked about where she's like, I know all this shit quiz yeah. me all you want. I'm ready. I got all these facts. Um, I also want to sharp this uh, once upon a time that mm, yeah. was 
great like it was a great song it's clearly them going through therapy by themselves yeah but then it's meditation it's introspection it's but then like the dance break and the fact that it's three different locations which i'm surprised that they did that because i would assume that it would have been like a painted backdrop where it's the mm. three the three different locations but like you can kind of see the the seams the seams yeah. yeah which i appreciate i mean i didn't hate it no. i actually liked that because it i guess if anything i wish they played into it more with like a border or mm. something but yeah, maybe that's but neither here imagine, nor there imagine watching that on a giant screen when it came out for the first on a cinemascope screen it would have been marvelous Amazing. it would have been beautiful yeah Instead of my 15-inch laptop, yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, like, I like the choreography throughout, and but, like, I really just want to sharp the roller skateography slash tapping. Mm-hmm, yeah. I wonder if, because uh, usually when they do Foley for these tap numbers, they just go into another uh, studio uh, after the fact, and they lip mm-hmm. basically foot sync, you know, to their own dances. I'm wondering if that was just Gene Kelly with, roller skates on his hands you know or some other person just doing doing that or whether he had to recreate the entire thing on on a studio set unless they captured it live yeah no because there was there were edits there were there were wide shots there were it was it would be be tough to to do i just imagine like gene kelly holding his his own little roller skates doing tap 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 you know like i also want to i also want to throw a sharp into the um the garbage can tapping as well so like good. i liked the inventive nature of this movie yeah yeah it it harkens back a little bit to what um what gene kelly would do in summer stock or what fred astaire would do with like so many props you know so many so many things that you would you would make noise with it's honestly like also giving make them laugh a little bit yeah 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 totally yeah so was was a couple years before this so this was in in gene kelly's dna in terms of musical storytelling yeah Yeah. so sharp sharp to you guys yeah what about you what are your sharps um i mean i've said so many other things um i i really want to uh whoever put sid charisse in that green skirt that green sweater and black high heels because she usually doesn't get to dance in high heels um, for the the baby you knock me out sequence, but I loved how that skirt was a pencil in the front and then it had flare in the back. So whenever I... she did turns, it would whip around and flare out, and and she was able to kick those legs. That skirt confounded me. Yeah, <laughs> I was, was like, how, how? <laughs> like I, was... I I think I yeah. know how, but I couldn't see the details because I mean we're dealing with 1955 technology here, right. so you don't. Yeah. It's not HD, everyone. No. But I was just like, how? How was that? It had, it had like, it had a cutout in the back that had, had added uh, fabric. Oh, that I would saw. reveal itself. Oh, and maybe I they saw. waited, you know, uh. one side. Maybe they waited that. So when it did go flare out, it did extend but, like, fully. The fact that it oh, was. so good. So bodycon in the front. Yep. Yep. And then in the back, it was still pencily very yeah. still very close with like the bustle but then yeah. when she turned you're like fabric and yeah you're kind of like Where did it's this- like she had hidden wings in her legs or something yes <laughs> she was like woo there's there's my i loved i loved it and those and those high heels and her legs and the choreography of that 
like you know sliding all over and and hanging on the ropes and being thrown about by these you know character actors and i want to also sharp the character actors and that stillman's gym like fight song and their broken noses and and the one guy who was like when i think of stillman's graduates our eyes begin to mist it's like the the <laughs> hilarious I, I hope my the, my mic caught my caught me hitting those low notes i loved those lyrics and just the humor involved in those in those guys which is so nice and i think it, there was there was one asian guy in there too i was like yay yay people of color <laughs> people of color in new maybe, york where it's yay. all white can we talk about that also okay. i want i pointed out to my husband uh the chairs in tim's bar which is apparently on the east side on third avenue um <laughs> have have faces they're these weird kind of uh, face um, now you have to watch the whole thing again just to watch look at the chairs i think because it's an irish bar they have like kind of norwegian or or irish you know i now own this movie so oh I there you go you can look at the, look and look at the chairs which are very interesting looking things yep yep uh what are, what are their sharps or is that it i mean i've i've already said a lot of a lot of what i love about this movie um it's it's a it's a it's a unique movie for its time and from from all other there's like it's hard to compare it to other movie musicals even the ones that gene has made because it is the subject matter is so pedestrian it's 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 like average guys having an average problem yeah you know it's very but then doing amazing choreography yeah exactly it's not brigadoon where like there's this fantasy uh you know land that appears it's not singing in a rain where these are these are hollywood movie you know stars with their own problems these are like very and it's also not like on the town where the numbers are performative for the audience for the audience yeah yeah the numbers actually mean something to the story right unless you're madeline doing like a balls out look well at i'm thinking kind of more number. of the um in on the town the one that they do in the bar with uh without vera ellen but with mrs kravitz oh um, yeah you can count on me yeah that's highly performative for right. us the audience right but they're but it's also to lift the spirits that of gene kelly yeah but it doesn't you know. it, it feels yeah. a little disconnected but this right. one i feel like um Although, like, uh, once upon a time, mm-hmm. like, clearly the dance break is for us, the paying audience. But, right. like, it when... They're going through shit. They're going yeah, through they're going inner through turmoil the... and shit. And, yeah. They're realizing what emotions are, finally. Yeah. Yeah. And I also really uh, do a sharp of the scene between Sid's character and Jean's character where they exchange quarters for being each other's therapists, basically. And that yes. was really sweet. That was a really sweet kind of, like all right you got me pegged or i got you pegged or you know that that was just that was just nice sometimes it's like you just have to talk to someone honestly and you'll feel better about yourself and that's why i podcast anyway uh (laughs) uh would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist i already sang thanks a lot but no thanks i already do that i i would probably bring in music is better than words because upon re-watching it i really like that song it's an it's a 
the lyrics are so uplifting and obviously I agree with everything <laughs> that it's talking about, you know. I'm going to hold off answering this question oh, in case I okay. do a second chance because like, I feel like I need to like re-listen to them. Okay. I did like thanks a lot, but no thanks. Maybe I'll add that one. I think maybe I'll add situation wise in case of, <laughs> in case somebody's like, how you doing? I'll just play that. Play situation wise and meathead wise and fatso wise and wise and wise. Da, 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 and, da, and be like, yeah. this is how I'm currently feeling. Yeah. Figure it out. Apologize. Um, Sorry wise. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Cause like also with March, March and with uh, once upon a time and I like myself, like I, I want the visual Mm, yeah. of them dancing yeah so. and i like myself is a is a beautiful tune i just don't like the oh i need validation from someone else in order for me to feel good about myself i know i know eventually it's like you know because she's an amazing woman and if she's an amazing woman and she likes me well then i must be a pretty good guy you know <laughs> like it's that kind of you know yeah i uh, sentiment but yeah, it it needs it needs a, lo- a uh, it needs a Gene Kelly on roller skates for that to work. Yes. Yeah. Um, but Sierra, on that note, Yay! we're done with the episode. We Woo-hoo! did it. Yay! Yeah, you came back onto the pod, and I will return. <laughs> We've got plans. Uh, what do you have to plug or promote? So, uh, actually, as of the um uploading of this episode i have a show with my group marquee five on september 15th um it'll be 7 p.m at, at uh, the Lori beachman theater in new york oh City. yeah i saw that yeah it's uh eight track throwback the remix so imagine 60s 70s and 80s music set to uh wonderful five-part harmony and you can find us at uh marquee m-a-r-q-u-e-e five f-i-v-e on the instagrams and the facebook's and the websites and all that stuff oh and then also your my personal stuff yeah yeah i'm sierra ryan s-i-e-r-r-a-r-e-i-n uh and if you and if you have some answers to questions that we had during this episode which i can't remember (laughs) any of them right now (laughs) uh you can email me at at gmail.com i'm also on facebook instagram the formerly known as twitter and tiktok i'm debating about leaving it i don't know i'm just I never not used engaging it. i'm just not engaging on it very much but i never used it yeah but i'm there yeah. uh all of them all the socials are at, at buttersong pod so one of the questions i do remember is why is it called it's always fair weather because i don't whether that was a term of, of, of the time of, a, of the time or was there another title that well oh oh Oh, what would you call this movie? Hmm. Sierra, do you have a do you have one on on hand that you wow. would call this movie? You know, I don't want to title it something like Friends Will Stay, but because that gives away the ending, but maybe some sort of some some sort of quote from from one of the Comden and Green lyrics uh would be kind of cool. Um, Remembering Bootsy, I have no idea. <laughs> to Bootsy. Yeah. I mean I, I mean I could do something as how about something as simple as like ten years later. 10 years later okay yeah 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 but what would you call it i want to hear from you the listener what would you call it and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation well mm-hmm. we're going to be doing candide i'm so jealous the 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 one with uh kristen chenoweth and patty lapone everyone i don't remember yes. what i don't remember what year it came off at the top of my head so figure it out uh <laughs> but 
Sierra, thank you so much for coming back on. I'm glad I wasn't hateful to Gene Kelly this one. No, I think the only other thing I would say is I really didn't get to see his butt very much in this. There was a moment where his butt was to frame and I was like, <gasps> there it Sierra. is. <laughs> yeah, I did think I did think of you and I was just like, look at the cut of those pants. <laughs> god praise his tailor that's awesome. but like we had it we we got it all with the pirate oh so. in in buckets <laughs> in buckets in the shorts short the pirate shorts. pant buckets yeah yeah yep anyway thank you um, john thank you thank sierra you. thank you everyone for listening and bye for now bye Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.